taking some shore leave at our little utopia planitia of the internet. It's Vidra, please, a hateful voyage to the Delta Quadrant. My name is Joseph. And I'm your Horgana, Peter. <laughs> and uh, that's, that's, this... that's the rise of sex pot, right? Horgon? Uh, Horgon. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, you are you are my uh, I am ready to fuck uh, <laughs> indicator, Peter. Clearly, uh, that is what you've been through my whole life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is not a review of a Voyager episode. This is our patent uh, end of season reviews. This is season five. Rest in peace. Uh, it is now in the rear view mirror. So we're going to go through some of our thoughts on the season, hand out some of our patent end of season awards including some favorites as well as some that we got from our viewers and the Vigil Please Trauma Support Group. So we appreciate everybody that chimed in there this week to give us some ideas and things to think about. Before we get into that, though, Peter, this is season five. This is deep in the run. This is uh, Voyager at its, you know, entering its full maturity creatively. What did you think? It's a lot to process, and this is a crazy time to have to process it <clears throat> this week. We are going through a major uh, certification audit at my work. So it's like all hands on deck, all cylinders firing, busy, busy, busy. Uh, And there I am today with my printout of best episode, worst episode, and all the other criteria we have in my Voyager journal while we're on this big video conference call, like trying to (laughs) remember what (laughs) the fuck. You're trying to handle real business while you're also having to do your job, which, you know. It's inconvenient. Yeah, mixing business with pleasure. And season five is expansive. These are some long fucking episode uh, seasons. We've talked about this a lot. Uh, I want to go on record again as saying I do not fault any Star Trek actor for not remembering what happened in season four, episode six, or even, you know, season five, episode 22 like i can barely remember anything out of season five until i sit down with my notebook and even then i'm reading through my notes like what the fuck am i talking about there's a lot of information on the board and it's just overwhelming i took the time to even just kind of like review some of the episodes i didn't necessarily watch every single one again but yeah it's when you're talking about 26 installments in a single season we've said it before it's We live in an entirely different era of television. Peak TV has gotten over this whole season order business. It's like 10 to 12 episodes, sometimes somewhere like six or eight in a a season. You know, the production's just much more high high budget, but less output, which ultimately was correct call for the medium. So it's a it's a lot to have to digest. The the recency bias sometimes kind of gets to you, right? Like absolutely. You've watched over the last month is foremost in your mind. And then you go back and I I watch, you know, some some parts of like episodes like uh, uh, Nothing Human uh, and uh, 30 Days and Latent Image. And it just reminds you of like, OK, that exists season had a lot happening going on. <laughs> is it the right choice and format? Yeah, you can get some really epic TV when everything is a super concise well-crafted script over eight episodes. But I think, you know, this, the, the other side of the coin is you pull off 25, you know, you're, you're pushing almost 30 episodes in a season. You can do a lot more. There's a much different feel. Not everybody is a badass or a 
ultra distilled <clears throat> consolidated character. People have the freedom to have good episodes and bad episodes and characters can be stars one moment and duds another. And I think it, it does a lot more to, to build a lived in universe when you have that kind of screen time for each character in the cast. Uh, except for Neelix. He was practically a supporting character this whole fucking season. A I fucking back, shame. I went back through just to just to to make sure that it wasn't crazy th- to think that. And there's exactly two episodes where you could say he's a featured character. Joe, have I been eating crazy pills where uh, somehow, somehow we we started this what, two years ago now? Almost three, my friend. Almost three years ago. And I would have bet my left arm that. Cass was going to be the worst thing about the show, followed by Neelix. And Neelix had a terrible start. It took Neelix a while before that character got warm. And now, like, he's one of my favorites. And I'm genuinely sad that he has been shoved into the the, the left field uh, for season five. It was really just once upon a time and then just at near the end juggernaut. And that was really more Torres episode where he was second fiddle. That's it. That was it for him for the whole season. Uh, and meanwhile, Seven of Nine is a featured character in probably, what, every other episode? And we'll get into that in the best and the, the worst characters. But I will say that Bran and company found their footing on that character and used her correctly. And all you had to do to use uh, Jerry Ryan cl- correctly is not make every single episode in the season be about I want to be a real girl or maybe I don't. And also allow her to be an actor rather than TNA on screen. That um, was the other big revelation, I think, this season is that they used her more effectively for her talents rather than for her appearance. Which is interesting because Jerry Taylor was out and and I would have thought that the female you know, producer would have flipped the script on that one. But overall, uh, Bran Branagh's touch is certainly felt throughout this entire episode, this season. Um, we talked about it all the way back in episode one, which was night. This is a v- comparatively extremely dark and psychologically uh, heavy ep- uh, season. You know, the running commentary through the entirety of season five out of you is it's each cast members turn in the barrel with everybody having, you know, their bad day, their bad week, their bad, quarter whatever and how does this person deal with it where does it reach into their character history and you know what condition does it leave them on moving forward and it was a it felt good you know i would say season four had some real strong points and and voyager was hitting a a good stride this plays off of characters and the concepts in a different way but a good way without you know, making season four look bad or season five stick out like a sore thumb. It's just a different viewpoint, which also works. I found that as I reviewed season five, I felt like its floors were much higher, which is to say the low points were nothing compared to some of the stuff that we had to deal with in the past. But it's ceiling like there. It probably has the best episode we've watched. It may have the best episode of Voyager in it. But aside from that, it was it was OK. There was a lot of B minus in season five, in my opinion. You, you you get a lot of things like in the flesh, 
which, you know, was the episode where Chakotay visits the Space Mewtwo's, you know, secret you know, training base. You get a lot of, uh, you know, latent image or gravity, the one where uh, Paris and Tuvok are stuck with Tank Girl. Um, you know, it's those aren't bad episodes, but yeah, they were fine. They were a little bit better than fine. I will definitely a take the show not kind of being in the ruts that it was on early on in seasons two and three where it'd be just week after week it was a kid kicked in the balls. Uh, that not being on the table is great. And if it if it permits the occasional brilliance, I think that's good enough for me. Season six, <clears throat> sorry, season five replaced the Hallmark channel elements with legit sci-fi. And I think that's really what Bran brought to the table for this. In addition to some of the dark, darker personal reflective moments was a lot more of that classic fringe sci-fi. And I agree, you know, there was a lot more mediocrity in there, but I'll take it. That's what I'm here for. Well, it, it lost all that hallmarkness and then concentrated it into a single episode, kind of like a sort of Sin Eater situation where it just like compressed it all into 1159 until it actually became a Hallmark movie. We need I, I was looking at my <laughs> list of awards. I was like, how do we not just have a, a WTF award? Because 1159 <laughs> would have won that hands down. Maybe we'll we'll put a WTF award in for season six. Rip. Let us begin are handing out of awards. Let's start with our best episodes of the season, which this I thought this was going to be easy, but the third spot for me was actually a little difficult. I had to really think about my choices. How about you? Were you was that was it easy for you? Oh yeah, absolutely. What'd you uh, end up picking? Timeless baby. That's your number one. That's easy. Uh timeless <laughs> Again, I'm sorry. I was in the middle of this major audit. I, I forgot we were doing top three. All of my bad picks, I had to have like multiple entries. Most of the stuff where I'm given like good awards, it's it's a clear winner for me. But yeah, timeless stuff like Bride Love Chaotica was uh, was fun, but I wouldn't say it was like it was fun conceptually. And there's some really neat stuff in there, but it wasn't like just nothing had anything on timeless as far as I go. Like it, it, it covered all the bases, uh, awesome concept, sci-fi great. What if it was not a bottle episode, you got strong performances out of everybody involved. The CGI looked great. The stakes were high yet. Awesome guest stars. Uh, it just fucking killed it. Yeah. I mean, there's no doubt of the timeless is number one. I mean, it literally redeemed, uh, LeVar Burton from some of the worst episodes <laughs> Uh, that he is responsible for directing um, in one fell swoop. And everything you just said was absolutely correct. I mean, it made Harry Kim cool. And it takes a special episode to get there. Yeah. But so number two, because my number two is Bride of Chaotica. I don't know where if you if you put that in your top three, if that's your second spot. I only picked one. So I... I, I... Like I said, I assumed that Bride of Chaotica was going to be yours. Like there was a lot of hype for you going into it. And I would say it lived up to a lot of it. What's your three spot on there? So I really thought hard about what I thought, you know, okay. I was, I was trying to decide between uh, latent image, the infinite regress, which are the, are similar in that one episode is about seven of nine having like, a technical fault and the others about the doctor having a, uh, a technical fault. 
Infinite Regress is great because Jerry Ryan has to like play like seven different roles and there's, you know, she does a great job of clearly portraying those as they try to deal with her Borg implant no longer functioning. And then latent images about the doctor having to deal with having made a moral choice that his programming was in, incapable of understanding. In the end, I think it's latent image. You know, Robert Picardo has to find a very unique line in his performance of I am it's this computer program that is essentially emerging into a kind of sentience that is being portrayed through this conflict I'm having about made a choice not to save this person and save this person instead. And I think there's nuance in that that often isn't part of network television, Star Trek stuff like we, we've gotten. We've gotten kind of used to a lot of the B minus episodes where there's just what's on what's in front of you is what's going on. And there's not a lot of depth to it. That episode had a ton of depth to it. And in the end, I thought that was a good number three. Special shout out and latent image to Catherine Janeway's character development as well. Like it's really a doctor focused episode, but Janeway is forced to make some very large uh growths as well and she goes through her both of them end up going through growing pains the the growth for her is also a big payoff in terms of continuity since she has consistently been the person who has wanted to reject the doctor's personhood and it is her in the end that has to make the decision to say okay and we've done all of this we have to try and make this work it's the only correct moral thing to do um so yeah it's it's a good one bottom three did you pick three for this? Did you have three on deck? Well, here's what I did, Joe. Uh, I Since I did not pick three uh, best episodes, I only picked one best episode. I went apeshit on how many worst episodes. And again, going back through the season, I discovered <clears throat> there's a lot more bad than I initially remembered. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> same. <laughs> You know, we've got stuff in there like 1159, which is fucking terrible. And to clarify, it's not bad TV. It's not bad acting. It's not a bad story. It's just not Star Trek. It's not sci-fi. It's not Voyager. And it's nothing that I would have ever sat through had it not been an episode of Voyager. So it had no business being in the lineup. And for that reason, it sucked. But there were some legit bad scripts with legit bad Star Trek moments. And that's going to go in no particular order. Someone to watch over me, which I shit on vigorously. I know you like not a fan of my fair lady. I get it. Or she's all that. Apparently (laughs) (laughs) the flight, AKA the fight, which was the Chakotay boxing fetish episode. Oh, where he had he utilizes his supernatural dream powers yet again yeah. because he's an Indian. <laughs> uh, I'd initially had gravity on there, which was the Tom Paris is an ultra bitch and tank girl ruins the day. But I dropped that off because I had uh, managed to mentally block the existence of drone. Yes. <laughs> which was just such a fucking war crime that. Uh, we recorded that so long ago. It was like March, right? And everything since March of 2020 has felt like it was five years ago. I also rewatched that one. It's like, was this one as bad as, oh my God, it really was. Nothing good I can say about my, that in my notes. Like, 
Janeway is super Swiss cheese all over the place with her rationale. That dude's outfit looked like, I believe, like a Ninja Turtle with a stick up his ass. I they they destroy a Borg tactical sphere like it. It's just everything's. It felt like fan fiction in the worst way. I largely agree. Um, I would like to ask you two questions. One, if you had to pick which one was worst, which one would it be? Is eleven fifty nine, despite it not being as qualitatively bad as some of other things, still the worst because it's just not Star Trek? <sighs> Upon reflection, eleven fifty nine's bad for me personally, but in comparison to someone to watch over me, which was bad fan fiction and drone, which is really really bad fan fiction, I'd bump eleven fifty nine. I think drones probably the real stinker of the season. I, that, that's going to get my top pick for worst. I obviously am not going to list someone to watch over me as one of my bottom episodes because I'm a man of culture who appreciates musical theater. And I'm sorry that you don't. Um, that's OK. I forgive you. Uh, but 1159 agreed. Drone agreed. My next bottom one is Dark Frontier. Remember that? Remember the jabroni circus of Dark Frontier where Voyager now gets to clown on the entire Borg collective with the Delta Flyer? Do you? <laughs> because that happened. It was an hour and a half long and we'll never have that time back. You know, Dark Frontier has this this redemption thread in it. And I know it's silly to to cut it so much slack for, but their flashbacks to uh, the Hansons on the Raven, mm-hmm. the ability for the production crew to so accurately reproduce TNG season one aesthetics was just amazing to me and rubbed, <laughs> saved it from being on the worst list. Like there's some real war crime shit that goes on in there and, and, there's certainly a lot in that episode that's a strong contender for my weakest shit award. But as a whole, I didn't feel like it was punishing me by watching it. It would be my last of the bottom three, but everything to do with the Borg storyline itself within that those episodes was so bad. Like, why is the Borg queen doing this? What well, is the explanation for all of the? There is none. It's just terrible. She just gets clowned for no reason. It's it makes the problem they already had for the with the Borg, i.e. making them not as much of a threat anymore and just amplified it to the nth degree. Speak of the, the devil. I'd like to go into the worst character of the season award, Joe. And I want to play right off of that because uh for a while, I really wanted to give that to Balana, who seems like she's just in this real crazy ultra bitch mode, inexcusably for the majority of the season. But uh, at the end of the day, the worst character of season five for me was the Borg Queen. Take everything that we've said about Voyager treating the Borg bad and doing bad things with it. And she really just epitomizes it. The master plan to use seven of nine to have this backdoor mutant DNA rain virus that's going to infect humanity and her stupidity and getting to the point where like Janeway's got a gun on her and she's actually scared. Just dumb, 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 stupid, 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 bad, bad, bad. 
Worst I, this port. is a this is a, a V'ger please first. I don't think either of us have ever picked a supporting character or you know one off as the worst character of the entire season. <laughs> I mean, granted, this is a valid choice. This is some valid reasoning. Like the damage done here uh, is very real. Uh, Special but... runner up was Tank Girl for what she did to my ears. <laughs> I felt like the the worst character of the season was actually somewhat difficult to figure out. I felt like everybody had some moment in the season that was actively good, right? Yes. At some point. And as a consequence, it became hard to really say, like, you know, this the this is the particular character that was consistently the worst. Uh, but in the end, it's Tom Paris. Tom Paris, he's the one that he's a bad boyfriend. He's not particularly supportive. He gets demoted. And the episodes that focus on him do not make him to out to be a particularly uh, redemptive or good person. What's, he's just kind of a shithead and he got, he deserves it for season five. Tom was in my consideration for best or for the worst character. But interestingly, I also found him in consideration as a best character he has the most peaks and valleys, and I'll agree that he's got more valleys than peaks, but uh, just a very erratic use of that character as a whole throughout the season. Best character of the season. This was the oh. hard one, one of the hardest for me. Like, you know, we've picked Chakotay in the past mutually because he had such a bad start early on um, that when he did finally start getting good, uh, season three, season four, season five, like it, it really came out of nowhere. This season, I decided to give my best character uh, award to the doctor. Picardo always holds up his end of the deal in any scene he's in. It can be the most inconsequential stuff. And if the doctor's involved, it's still an engaging, fun scene to watch. He had some real strong character and he always has strong character development stuff, but like latent image specifically, you know, that and some of the evil rogue AI stuff, you know, he can play the same role so many different ways in each of them with a unique distinction that, um, you know, it really made Picardo makes the character great and he's always given strong material to work with and and i think for this one uh you know he, he's my choice i would say even in the like a medium doctor episode which was for this one nothing human that's the one where like the 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 alien attaches itself to balana you know and he has to create the cardassian murder hobo to help him and the, everyone has a needless moral crisis over it it's still like Everything that's good about that episode is good because of him. And in this case, we are in agreement. Uh, Picardo is uh, brings brings the sauce and the doctor is clearly to me the best character of the season. But seven of nine wasn't too far behind for me. Much more effective use of her. I really liked uh, both, uh, you know, Infinite Regress as a, as a great episode for her character. I felt like Think Tank was a good episode. Uh, you know, the best parts of A Dark Frontier are her. You know, uh, uh, even the best parts of drone are her. One of my and... most surprising things about this season, I, I was really expecting every other episode to be a doctor slash seven of nine 
buddy cop episode. I was really expecting there to be a uh, an escalation of Borg nano bot pixie dust deus ex machina events and there wasn't uh seven and nine was a strong contender for me as well because like you said they hit this great medium of using her just enough that you you get the right taste in your mouth but they're not beating you over the head with her yeah like relativity you know she's a big part of that episode but isn't like such the mary sue MacGuffin girl that it crowds out everything else that's going on in the end it's actually janeway who has to like seal the deal there and that sort of thing so much better use of her yes but so we've covered best and worst character we've covered best and worst episodes we now arrive at our patent weakest shit award peter this is your creation this was your baby long ago when we were uh, reviewing Jatrell in season one is kind of where this was born. So uh, if Jatrell is a 10, uh, what is the the weakest shit you found this season and where does it rank on a one to 10 scale? Uh, I've got a cornucopia weakest shit shout outs here. Uh, the number, the first one I want to go over is the, uh, retcon of species 8472 where they go from being um, single purpose crazed zealots who are hell bent on eradicating all life in meat space to, to entirely reasonable <laughs> like aliens that you can have a conversation with just really cool dudes that want to you know grab a drink with you after work like that was some real weak shit because that would have been a great up ep- what episode was was that called in the it was in the flesh and it was it was uh, because Kate Vernon played the female 8472 that thirsted after that potent Chicote D Valerie Archer. Uh-huh. Um, so that was some real weak shit. The aforementioned Dark Frontier when Tom Paris has a fucking shuttlecraft that he holds the Borg collective at gunpoint with. And then they blow up Borg Town and and zoop off and completely clown the Borg 100% in some sort of WWF staged wrestling event. That was some real weak <laughs> shit. Also, another strong weakest shit contender out of Dark Frontier was the absolute botch in the way they handled Seven of Nine's parents to parade her dad out and then, and then do com- nothing with it. Nothing. Infuriating. You could have had such a great moment and instead he's just there like a dickhead with some crap on his face and they just scoot right by it like whoever wrote that should have had their fucking like uh their their hollywood guild card stripped from them and thrown in the fire that was weak shit but i think my my main weakest shit award will go to uh the mention of the vidians and the curing of the phage in Think Tank, which I've already ranted for for about 45 minutes. The implications of what happened there. That and was seriously that was seriously most of our talking in that episode. Like we reviewed Think Tank for like 54 minutes. And I'd say at least half of that was us saying what the fuck about that moment. It would be like if I did a there was, there was an episode of Seinfeld, you know, to, to stick with the, the Jason. Um uh, thread there and they had a uh, a winter glove and you could put it on and anything you would touch would turn into 24 karat gold and they just completely failed to realize the importance of this object they're just tossing around there like 
infuriating, weak as shit. Now it's on the ten point scale of uh, Jatrell and and the the nuclear holocaust that the Talaxians are eternally caught in. I'd say that the mention of the Vidians is only like a six or seven by comparison, but still, like it was a real clear window into the writer's room that they either don't respect the subject material that they were writing or are just stupid. I really think it's, it's the former. It's just a lack of respect for understanding what they set up with them and what a huge fucking deal dropping like something like that into a conversation would be. Um, and all of your shout outs are great. Uh, I ultimately completely agree. That is the weakest shit of the entire season. Uh, but one thing you didn't mention that I think we do uh, is the entire existence of the Malorn up until Juggernaut. Remember, they were the mo- the persistent antagonist of season five. They showed up at night, which was the season premiere, and they were the the, the bad guys that we saw all the season. And they were Captain Planet villains up until the, their last appearance, which finally put some meat on the bone in a way that actually made you care about them, only for them to never show up ever again. Uh, so special, uh, special garbage, you know, marks for the Voyager writers for creating a season long antagonist that were laughable Horace Greeley wannabes until the last episode when suddenly they're super sympathetic and you want to know more about them and then they're gone. <laughs> and in the process of not only making themselves look bad, make Voyager look criminal, not only through murdering, you know, blue collar space workers uh, up into condemning an entire civilization to have to wallow about in nuclear waste. I'll get to them more later. Don't you worry. Joe, where do you want to go with the best violation of Starfleet regulations? Uh, I think Timeless has got to be just the the all-time award winner when it comes to that. Like, it was an incredible violation of Starfleet principles in the most badass way. Uh, You know, they violated the Temporal Prime Directive to rewrite history so that Voyager doesn't get blown up. And in the process of that, uh, in the process of violating those Starfleet orders, you had Chakotay learn to uh, to use his co-opte powers in reverse and co-opt other people, including Geordi LaForge. <laughs> and you had Harry Kim suddenly the, to give those shits badass who's like doing space calculus in his head while dealing with an existential crisis and PTSD. Uh, I don't think you can ever have a violation of Starfleet regulations that goes better than what happened in Timeless. 100% Timeless is my pick as well. Uh, the definition of Starfleet regulations being broken across the board. Hats off to Chakotay and Harry Kim. Great job. Uh, the I, I, I guess like your your runner up award would be the uh, the UHEC, uh uh, hell tech engine on the equinox <laughs> <laughs> like that's a great violation to say like let's all uh let's all chant in a circle around our engine manifold while praising the dark one and hoping that his energy will flow through to us i Good want idea, guys i was listening to the uh equinox episode on my way home from work you know they use these little space goblin psychic fish whatever the fuck they're supposed to be. And I think it's such an alien thing that they end up victimizing to get through. First of all, I want to ask you, like, 
How many people do you have to kill to end up being called a mass murderer? I don't know if there's an actual number. <laughs> like, is 30 enough? Is it 40? I would say 30 would be. I would say yeah. more than five. So, yeah, he's a mass murderer. But anyways, because it was a cartoony, I mean, he might as well have been grounding up unicorn horns to to power his trash can manifold supercharger, right? Like, had they had a population of Ocampa that they were somehow hyperaging and getting them to ascend into like super sane and then cutting them like killing them right at that moment and stealing the energy and focusing that through. if it had been a humanoid two leg two armed you know looks like any other person with some shit in their hair or some shit on their face I think that really would have driven home the how heinous their actions really are. And I wonder if that was like a line that the writers were not willing to cross was to humanize the victims of their crimes uh, to that much of a degree. I think that having the alien they're subjugating to be the Uwu space kittens that are completely alien was a great move because it made what Ransom did more believable because it would have made him too villainous if he was finishing a face of a humanoid creature, right? Yeah. And maybe he couldn't have brought himself to do it. I, I went on this kind of like tangent on the uh, trauma support group today about about the episode where I really liked Ransom as a villain because, you know, the situation that he's in it's not malicious. and the reaction he has to it ends up being like the most human thing he could do, right? He's he had to stare into the abyss with the rest of his crew in a way Voyager never had to, you know, they weren't going to die a noble sacrifice or, or a sudden crisis or, or something by chance or anything like that. They were slowly bleeding out in the Delta quadrant. The ship wasn't capable of getting back home. Half the crew was already dead and they were alive for the moment, but you know, little by little that what was left of them was being extinguished. And, when they died, they were going to die alone in the cold of space, you know, tens of thousands of light years from anything they knew. And when you when you put people in that kind of position and they give them an opportunity to to cheat that fate, but all they got to do is sacrifice this really alien thing to do it and no one's going to know but them like that suddenly like, OK, this I can buy people doing that, whereas if you're like, OK, murder these 12 people down here, that's something you do on Battlestar Galactica, right? Like that's too dark for Star Trek. Mm. Like in the enlightened 24th century person is probably capable of the monstrosity of killing the Uwu space kittens. They are probably not going to be able to finish a face in cold blood. I am looking forward to the opening of season six to see how they end up handling this and if uh if what's his face can bring any more gravity into the script writing for that. Um, it, by, by that, you mean Ron Moore? <laughs> yeah, sorry, Ron Moore. <laughs> what's his face? Uh, what the, the, the line they need to say at some point, um, Ransom needs to say, you know, those creatures weren't the only things that were being sacrificed into those engines. My own humanity uh, was right there along with them uh, and and basically demonstrating that they were all the, the knife was cutting not only those creatures but also their own souls to to push things forward we got in a new award on deck the space Bodiker award for best guest slash minor reoccurring character uh joe i'm gonna go ahead and steal your answer here <laughs> <laughs> motherfucking dr chaotica yeah 
just can't beat him, right? Like perfectly played. Like be the be the 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 villain from a Flash Gordon serial. Done. You couldn't have asked for it to be better. Special shout out to uh, Jordy LaForge. Yeah, I mean, let's Bride of Chaotica overall. Still one of the the episodes of Voyager I could rewatch on a on a no problem whatsoever. The best holodeck episode I still think of Star Trek. Maybe uh, our man Bashir from DS Nine could compete, but the that's the only one I can think of that would really even be close. Uh, it is fantastic on the A level of it's a space conundrum that you know, makes sense in Star Trek logic. It involves a whole crew. It's comedic and fun, but still has to deal with an actual like Trek problem. And works within the scope of their science. Yeah. And the best part being is that you get these characters having to play roles within the story of the, the hollow hollow novel. And you get to see that, uh, that interplay of like all of them having to, to cope with having to deal with the logic of that. And of course, Janeway primarily having to play the spider queen, which is just uh, an all timer. Joe, who do you want to give your best alien species award to? I don't know. Is, is, is time cop federation technically a different alien species? I think it qualifies, right? Like the relativity 29th century federation. No, I think you can count it. It's, it's the federation, but like, you know, 400 years in the future, you know what kind of alien DNA is rolling around in there at that point. A lot of, a lot of, a lot of intermixing. A human, more or less. They look know? like a bunch of 30 year old white dudes, man. They look like a bunch of fucking <laughs> department store police officers. I haven't given much thought to this yet. So why don't you go first? Professor Bubbleneck, uh, the guy from uh, the Janeway falls in love. Oh, with, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Counterpoint. Season five is full of great one-off aliens, uh, which I'm going to lump all under the same umbrella. You got Professor Bubbleneck. You've got uh, the dude from Warhead, the blue guy with the the snappy coat. You've got these really visually interesting aliens with their own little physical quirks and personality quirks that are just dudes living in the Delta Quadrant. They're not trying to maraud they're not trying to rape and pillage they're just trying to do a little business and be their own person and voyager has interesting and fun interactions with them and it just fleshes things out very well i i'm gonna go with the uh captain ahab alien from bliss for mine uh and he he kind of his design wasn't necessarily as cool as uh uh, the professor from Counterpoint, who I do think may be the best design alien we've seen. And he was literally in one fucking scene, kind mm-hmm. of a total waste, but very cool. But uh, Morgan Shepard played the Captain Ahab alien in that episode. The And I just I felt like the idea of this old uh, vengeful dude trying to hunt a, uh, a a malignant space entity that you know sucked in you know his family and he's got this like cold vengeance um, you know I like that that whole concept of that guy being out there and uh, he just played it to like the nth degree you know he's a stereotype the whole way and they just he just played it straight work good here's a new sexy one. Your award for the most gratuitous TNA camera angles. Can we expand this one? Because it, obviously it's a two horse race for the first time. 
which is, you know, exciting in its own right. But if we expand this concept to instead of gratuitous TNA angles to most sexual potency of the season, suddenly Chakotay becomes a player. And that's a more interesting discussion. Do you accept this? I'm locked into my answer already, but if you want to breathe some life into this concept, go ahead. (laughs) So if, you know, focusing entirely on the male gaze of the camera, uh, it went from solely seven of nine to a suddenly uh, buff. Thanks to doing all of the pushups in 1998 slash 1999. Good job, Roxanne Dawson, Bolada Torres. Um, However, I think that that gaze still just absolutely dominates in terms of Jerry. Jerry Ryan is an all time hottie. There is no escaping it. Every time she's on screen, she can just be standing there in that skin, skin tight cat suit. Doesn't matter. Right. Just looks like a million dollars. Whereas Bellotta can have a scene, you know, and, and doing her engineering thing and, or whatever. And it's, she's not immediately like looks like she's a sexual object. They have to actually try to, to put her into that position. Um, so over over the course of the whole season, I think that there is more incidents of that clearly for Seven of Nine than there is for Bolana. But when it comes down to downright sexual potency, Chakotay has it in the bag. There are two episodes where his, uh, you know, the up the upchuck power of of the Chakotay D is critical story function that saves Voyager. Like twice in the same season, both in the flesh and timeless. Because remember, uh, his co-opting of his uh, of his uh, girlfriend is what gives them the, the the support staff they need to pull off their time heist. Yeah, and to Beltran's credit, it's not like he's reading words on the script, and we're just forced to believe it because you know that's what the the story says. Like Beltran fucks. No oh, yeah. ways around it, and when he's like co-opting these ladies and and pouring the sex on you're like yeah this is fucking legit man. <laughs> especially in, in the flesh right like yeah like all that flirting with uh with valerie archer uh um uh, like yeah this is a man with a natural charm was was very real season five chakotay makes you look back on uh little house on the prairie episode where uh, he gets caught <laughs> Janeway's got brain damage. If she's shooting down Chakotay, there's something wrong with her head. You know, my most gratuitous TNA camera angle, I was going to give the award to that scene where Seven of Nine and Bellana Torres go crawling through the Jeffries tube like sexy kitty cats. Oh, while talking about uh, having an open relationship, like a maximum degree. Yeah. But uh, on deeper consideration during my research this afternoon, the most gratuitous TNA camera award goes to uh, in the flesh uh, Valerie Archer's <laughs> silhouette raging hard on shot where she's changing into something more comfortable and you can see her backlit image on some curtain and she's got a rock hard baby <laughs> arm filling in between her legs. I, it's burned into my my brain of mostly because you shared it on the trauma support group to yeah, make sure I, we didn't miss it. Yeah, <laughs> I will say a runner up award to uh, Buana's needless uh, in the sonic shower shot at the end of Chuck yeah. Knott's. Another <laughs> strong contender for WTF. 
<laughs> like this is this is only here because you 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 just wanted to do it. That's the only reason. No you guys put reason special is- effects budget into this completely superfluous thing. Ridiculous. Uh, best Peter mispronounces a name and it latches on. So Joe always says it wrong too. Can it be anything other than the Malorn who should uh, be? Yeah, the- yeah. It, Brandon Braga. I mean, you 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 <laughs> mispronounced his name so much. It just kind of went with that too. I don't know what the right pronunciation is. I don't care. Yeah. That's really the theme of Feature Please. I don't know and I don't care. Thanks for listening. <laughs> hey, I'm a Good late job. 30 year old Please white. Donate to our Patreon. <laughs> I'm a late 30 something white guy. I don't care. Yeah, the, the Malorn, the Malon, you know, I put as much effort into remembering the right way to present them as the writers do. Uh, they should have been a strong point throughout this episode, this season. And instead, they're all over the place from comically stupid to um painfully sympathetic uh yeah that that's that that's our that's our brand that's our trademark we we get it wrong when the writers get it wrong and we show our contempt by not caring and we didn't care about them until (laughs) until like the last three episodes of the season Uh, the Janeway has blood on her hands for meddling in the business of people and then leaving without caring about the horrible consequences award. This is a good one. We needed this one like two seasons ago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Some very, very strong contenders here, Joe. All right. I got two. They're going to have to share my award. The first one is the aforementioned Milan. Maylorn, whatever, who began in night and wrapped up when's the last time we saw him was uh, Juggernaut. Juggernaut. Janeway encounters these guys. They extend an olive branch. They try to help him out. Janeway sees they're dumping nuclear waste, which their society is producing uh, in spades. She tries to offer them uh, Federation magic uh, hippie tech that will allow them to completely uh, retire the need to to produce this stuff. And the guy says, no, I'm not interested. And then that's it. They never bring it up again. They encounter them several more times, culminating in the final episode, uh, Juggernaut, where you see that nobody is happy about this, that this terrible technology is a burden. It's killing people. They're willfully sacrificing their own lives to move this nuclear waste away from the homeland and, and their beautiful arts and all that other stuff. And at no point does Janeway ever think to just go to the goddamn home world and be like, hey, here's a here's a Snowden event. The information's out there. You guys can fucking have a revolution and quit dying in a fucking radiation holocaust. They just ignore it. They just keep letting them suffer. It's infuriating. It's one of your uh, entries for weakest shit award and rightfully so. My second one, Joe, and you might have forgotten about this one. The Tron turds from Infinite Regress. Do you remember last season or whenever the fuck it was in Scorpion when Janeway gave the Borg a hall pass from getting their shit pushed in by 8472? Oh, yeah. Condemned billions of people to dying and she felt bad about it for like 20 seconds. Oh, yeah. And then, and then hope and fear, they brought it back and shoved it in her face, but there was no actual lasting consequences. Yeah, no. okay. And then the Tron turds show up in Infinite Regress. And they're like, hey, listen, we uh, we hate the Borg. They're fucking our shit up. And we had some dudes who were brave enough to sacrifice themselves so they could introduce this wicked, badass Borg 
computer virus into the collective and cause complete hive collapses. And this will just fucking wreck the Borg. And Janeway, stay the fuck away from this thing. And Janeway is like, no, I love seven of nine too much. One person's life is worth me saving the fucking Borg for a second time. And how many more people get assimilated as a result of that? Super weak shit. Forgot to mention during my weakest shit award, a runner up that uh, I think fits into this as well. It's hard to beat the infinite regress point that you just brought up. But 30 days, right? The Water Planet episode. Part of the reason I think Paris was the worst character of the season. Um, You know, the the weakest shit there slash Janeway, like not caring about her fucking people's lives up is they don't want people around, right? Like the whole premise of this episode, which was a weakest shit contender to me because Tom Paris suddenly wants to be fucking captain Nemo, something he never mentioned before and never mentions again. Right. Cause he's Zach from fucking saved by the bell. So he's super into whatever it is. The episode has to be about that day. Well, like, remember, those guys were like, please go away. (laughs) Like, we don't we don't want people around. We have a really weird planet here. We're always very suspicious about other people. And Janeway is just like keeps trying to butt in and be part of their shit despite their resistance over and over and over. Blowing their stuff up as they're like shooting rockets. I was like, no, we just want to help. We come in peace. It's the same shit she pulls in that uh, generational ship episode where Harry gets an STD. Like at least in the Harry gets an STD episode, they're helping and it's not Janeway's fault. That but Janeway's still pushing up. herself into a situation like we don't want you around. She's like, no, I want to be here and you should let us be here anyways. But, Oops. And, but, and they at least establish in that episode that she has an ulterior motive, which is I want the, their technology that they use for their environmental control system. Very and vaguely. If, do they and if, it, at least it's something like, right? And in 30 days, there's just no reason for them to do this except, wow, this is cool, right? And so we're going to, like, butt ourselves into this situation and fuck all their shit up and then leave. And, Tom, and Tom's going to commit an act of terrorism and I'm going to bust him down to Ensign and put him in, in the pokey for 30 days as a consequence. Like, that's everything that happens for hey, no reason. Let me retcon my weakest shit award. I think I settled on uh, the mention of the Vidians. Uh, the real weakest shit of season five is the concept that Starfleet can't put its dick wherever it wants. <laughs> the idea that Harry Kim was supposed to get the doctor and captain's permission before he fucked super 90s body. Uh, complete slap in the face to everything Kirk and Riker stood for. Literally unwatchable. There, uh, there, I, 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 so on that note, I, 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 that that episode was be- kind of like one of the more generically bad C minus episodes of the season. You know, Harry Kim sucks. You know, Garrett Wong's one of the worst actors on the show. You know, like it wasn't a terrible idea overall. The whole generational ship thing, so it had some like redeeming qualities to it. But it just was one of those things that that wasn't the it wasn't the worst. Certainly wasn't the best in that vast middle. Uh, but uh, I was reminded of it this week because red letter media put out another, like they're like talking about a lot of TNG episodes lately. And they talked about the uh, first contact episode where uh, like Riker is uh, on the planet, gets caught like in an explosion right before they're going to do first contact. And like Picard has to like advance first contact to try and get him out of there. And like, you see how that process works and he literally fucks an alien to escape the hospital. 
like this alien alien chick is like i will help you escape and he's like cool and he's like first you have to fuck me and he's like i don't know i don't know if we have time for that and she's like you're the only way out and they cut and she they've clearly had sex it's like so this goes so goes against established starfleet principle where we have commander Riker laying pipe with a species they have not yet made official contact with yep yep Zero consequences. And speaking of something sexy, uh, another new award for us to uh, assign, and this is uh, and something with sex. Voyager is just such an easy target for coming up with sex dungeon scenarios, double entendres, or accusing characters of being porn addicted pervs. Joe, who are you giving your awards to? Well, we had the we had a. I feel like we 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 touched on like at my overall like sex, sexual potency award of the year definitely goes Jacote. Absolutely. Um as far as like the biggest perv on the ship, I don't know, it's hard to beat Tom. We did see like the last of Sandrine's this season, Thank of course. God. And may it um, never rear its ugly head again. I don't know if there was another clear like weird 24th century sex bot or swinger shit like moment in the season let me otherwise. jump in with mine all right uh okay. my my second spot would be the concept of pon far night at the vulcan nightclub oh that's right <laughs> <laughs> oh god it's rape and murder night at the club what don't no. go <laughs> that's you know if 1159 was like uh star trek trying its hand at some family TBS bullshit. Like that was Pon Far night at the Vulcan nightclub would be like an erotic thriller. <laughs> erotic thriller thriller would be saw with a lot of, just a lot of really nasty sex scenes. And some it. MMA components. Um, my actual award for, and something with sex. And this was a, a strong contender. I actually had for the most gratuitous TNA camera angle. Um, Ultimately, it's not going to compete with the silhouette of Valerie Archer's huge throbbing dick. But (laughs) man, does it get could it get any more on screen sexy than that scene out of relativity of Utopia Planitia shipyards? Those Excelsiors, those the soft curves of those galaxy class Akira's fresh off the line. If and that's Kira's not nerd emerging porn. from their docks, just blossoming into space. Yes. Mm. Over and over, in and out, in and out. Mm. Sploosh. Yeah, that was erotic. I agree. That was erotic. Um, I got I got two add-on awards here. I want to run you through real quick, Joe. Uh, your your best camera trick. This is this is an honest award. Um, I've noticed a lot of really bold camera work been going on lately, so. My vote for the best camera trick came out of the opener night as Chakotay's got all that stress on him that uh, Janeway's been locked away in her cabin going crazy. Yeah, the tracking shot, right? Tracking shot out of the briefing room into the bridge. Um, really cool. Establishes geography of the, the layout at deck one and just some unprecedented camera work. I think that that. Can't, the fact that they did that shot sticks out in my mind so much because it was so unique to Trek. Like they have such a defined house style 
that breaking out of it to do something super dynamic like that just added so much to that scene in a way where what really fucking sucks is that they don't get the memo that they need to do more than that, more of that. Yeah. That wasn't hard. It wasn't really hard to do a 10 second tracking shot where you, you kept the camera on Chakotay and allow that weight to sort of be on him visually in a way to tell that part of the story. And also, by the way, inform you of where the goddamn uh, <laughs> meeting room is relative to the bridge, which you never really knew before. That was just so cool. And yet it's probably like from the first episode of the season and the best camera shot, maybe the whole damn show. Yeah. You know, aside from maybe some stuff that Frakes did when they did that first episode with Barkley and the doctor going crazy. I want to say it was in season two, forget the name of it, but um, like there was a lot of unique camera work to like emphasize the, the, the trauma that the doctor was going through there that might still be better, but that tracking shot was great. Uh, hard, hard to think of something that's better than that. But I do think that the overall Bride of Chaotica stuff, the sets, like shooting it like it's a serial. They affect they did that very effectively, real wide, right? Everything is shot real wide in, in, in those times. Not a lot of close ups because moving the cameras was really difficult because they were so large and bulky. So oh, if you watch those old things, you, you end up with these really wide shots instead of a lot of close ups. And so they they kind of tried to mimic that style when they were in that. And then they do the push in, you know, my final award. I want you to pick from here, Joe. And this is a very deep well to draw from. So if you need to take a few moments to to ponder the body of work, the best active shooter scenario (laughs) (laughs) that the Voyager has had to deal with from their own crew. Man, just just so many examples of specifically seven of nine. <laughs> it's like best ramp. seven of nine active shooter situation. It does, it's just too cumbersome. When you say active shooter, like who else could it be? Uh, we haven't had an active shooter since I think uh, the Chicote Milton Bradley, uh, Oregon Trail Ouija board episode way back when. Um I think my favorite example of Seven of Nine shooting up her own crew was in Bliss, where everybody was under the effect of the the space monster and willfully flying in there. And Seven's like, well, guess I'm just going to beam into <laughs> engineering and shoot the joint up again. After, after she gets her her shooting up engineering space rifle that is that is in her, <laughs> her cargo bay, right? Like, first she's like, hold on, I got to go shoot him up. I have a gun specifically for these circumstances. What are Let all those notches in the stock? Oh, that's how many times I've shot Bellana. In, <laughs> in event of flimsy reason, break glass. Uh, I do think, though, that uh, it's not exactly an active shooter situation, but in terms of workplace violence overall, Bolana has two exciting entries. Uh, one, an extreme risk when she has her personal Cardassian murder simulator, literally a cave where she goes to kill Cardassians on the holodeck that she's trying to hide from her co-workers. Kill she- or gangbang. I think we've cast enough doubt on the subject of <laughs> either right. thing. My shameful hump cave, like <laughs> shameful hump, then murder cave, leaving or nothing. Murder she's then a Klingon. Hump. She's half Klingon. Could be both. Um, but you know, and then in, in Juggernaut, though, she goes ham with a space pipe, right? Like 
hard hard to beat the classics it was the most meme viger please meme moment that you could ask for which was a showdown between the villain of the episode and the hero of the episode armed only with space pipes and it was it was beautiful another was... another thank you for reminding me of that goddamn thing a great contender <laughs> for wtf and also a weakest should have wore that she stops beating that guy with the pipe for no reason um, yeah, that, she had to that, deliver her monologue. You, know, <laughs> you, can't, you can't beat someone with a space pipe and deliver your monologue. Well, if it's between monologuing and beating someone with a space pipe, it should just be pure pipe. Like uh, her beating that mutant Duke Nukem or Nuke Duke, <laughs> whatever the fuck that Captain Planet villain was that she throttled with the pipe. That that probably should have been your uh, your your something sex award. That that was that porn. Was, that was that pipe was, porn. <laughs> like, especially the level of at that point, she was like had six layers of grease <laughs> on her. <laughs> I mean, it was just it was in another level. It was on another it level. It might as well have been an OnlyFans production. Like someone <laughs> has a a pipe beating fetish and just needed a greased up half Latina, half Klingon, sexy toned warrior to beat that that sniveling but who's also a nerd and really needs to deliver some soliloquies about you know like engineering principles at the same yeah, time that was a hard thing about the the season for me was like balana came out so good in in season four and really started emerging as something relatable and i think that season five cartooned her up a little bit just that was too- our big complaint about juggernaut was that it seems like they just tanked all of her character development to do the same fucking story yeah. Which is Bolana's got anger problems. And, you know, we 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 did a huge disservice to her character. It's like, hasn't this literally been something she's been solving since the second episode of the show? Mm-hmm. You know, like I why isn't this why is this continued to be the, the well that we're returning to um, when we thought that they, they had finally gotten over it? But I think the fact that she seemed to have got over it was actually because Roxanne Dawson was pregnant. Right. And so they were trying to kind of, I, I was, they were using less of her, you know, they were, they were de-emphasizing her character a little bit. So it looked like she, you know, she had like gotten into a more formal leadership role and she had gotten better at things, but in reality they hadn't actually evolved her character at all. <laughs> they just gave the impression on accident. Good job guys. So I think that's going to do it for us, uh, Joe. I want to go ahead and give some shout outs here to uh, the following people from the trauma support group for their submissions for awards. Uh, Truman, Mike, Darius, Claire, and uh, Chris. We appreciate you guys for uh, for putting on your thinking caps and helping us brainstorm up some new award entries. Yeah, thanks to all of our fans on the Trauma Support Group. Thanks to all of our fans who download us week in and week out. Special extra thanks to the, those of you who are on our Patreon and support the show. We appreciate it. And speaking of that, next week, the rest of you will be able to hear that which the patrons have had access to for several months now. And that is our special review of Galaxy Quest and the uh, the subsequent documentary about Galaxy Quest that we uh, took a look at and uh, we will be hatching a plan for our next patreon exclusive episode here and we've also have some other exclusive content on there sometimes peter and i kind of start rolling on a topic and we hit that record button because 
I don't know. Maybe it is something other people want to listen to. And sometimes it is. So check it out. If you want to toss us a, a few coins to your Witcher, uh, we, we appreciate it, but don't worry about it. If you can, we're just trying to cover our costs. So uh, that's going to be it for us in season five. Tune in next week to hear our review of galaxy quest. Then we'll review Equinox part two. See ya. <laughs>